Rules. Welcome back. Let's talk about something that's come up in a bunch of episodes recently. And I've been thinking about it a lot. And that is authenticity. Authenticity is a really interesting topic because I feel like when everyone starts doing something, no one's authentic or a very, very few people are. They look at who's around them, who's successful and just try and mimic other people. Yeah, definitely. It's it's because we, I think as humans, we like follow this this set path that other people are, have trodden down. And you can then get very caught up in in just doing what everyone else does. And I think you see the real success of is the people who who veer off of that path. But then it comes down to the whole game of of self awareness of working out who you are and working out which path is right for you. And as soon as you start to really show who you are and your character and what you believe in and what you're like like us with this show like the the way that we can like people know now that if we said something that they would know if it aligned or not and they would like yeah, yeah do you yeah. know what i mean they we'd say something and they'd be like that hey that's not that's not you guys if we all of a sudden just kind of switched our character to do something in fact like someone was saying recently i i think it was on a patreon call but um someone was saying recently of of like there's a podcast that they had to stop listening to because it was it was like too rah rah and i think if yeah. all of a sudden we got really rah rah it does like it does work we know that that people would get like really fired up and so they so our listenership would go up in the short term but it wouldn't be authentic to us like people know that we're pretty laid back and like yeah we will shout at you and we will go like what the fuck are you doing like come on like now's the time to do some work but it wouldn't be authentically us to go super super duper like like, super high energy yeah yeah it'd be like if you decided to like to have a red bull like yes you might get a bit of a rush from that but if you drank it for every single drink all day it just destroy you in the long term and you'd be like okay i I just need to stop doing that now because i've just had like way too much of it like your friends like you for a reason it's because it's because you are who you are and you can't you don't fake that when you're around your friends so i think when it comes to putting yourself out online it's like you need to find those friends who like you for who you are rather than just this kind of vision of what you think you should be like in those situations like you see it a lot when people first start youtube or people start first like putting themselves out there like you you can just watch people and watch how you like you can basically guess what kind of content they consume by what kind of stuff they start to mimic like you see a lot of people who first start doing personal development stuff and they just they've obviously watched Gary V and then they just kind of try to be Gary V put all this extra energy into it they say exactly the same things and you're like and you can just tell that it's not authentic and I feel like those people would do so much better if they just talked about their own experiences acted like they normally do because then you're going to find the people who are like you who you actually want to hang around who want to consume your content because they like who you are rather than this fake person that you're trying to be a lot of time what seems to happen is that there are these established lessons that people are teaching online of this is this is the way you behave and so people follow those lessons and so it ends up with kind of this cookie cutter presentation of how everything starts to look the same yeah and what people need to do is look at their own behavior it's so much more important for you to analyze how you work online when you're looking at other people's stuff than to to follow this kind of formula that's given to you if you look at what it is that you like 
and and what can you take from those because i guarantee you like what it is that you like isn't this co- cookie cutter stuff that's like yeah actually i saw something the other day that was about kind of youtube and how to grow on youtube and what this person was saying is a really really great tip for they were like if you want to like make some videos that are going to get found and you want to be authentic to yourself it's like look at the titles of videos that have been successful like, look at creators that are similar to you and if they've done a video called x without don't watch that video because if you watch that video you're gonna do exactly the same video with just you in it so instead just look at the title and then think like well how would i answer that question how would i make a video based around that because as soon as you do that then you've got the concept there which is yeah it's fine to copy a concept from someone else because that's what's working and that's what the market wants but adding yourself into it being yourself on those videos is what's the important thing and that's what's going to make people really like them so if we delve down deeper into it I would say that the reason why most people aren't authentic is because it's actually terrifying to put yourself out there yeah it was something that we tried to do from episode one we knew that we didn't want to hide and it was it was the most terrifying thing because every week we're in your ears and we're saying to you like this is us and if you all reject us like that is like deeply painful that's like so horrible to hear that we're giving you our everything and and you don't like it and this podcast isn't for everyone and i'm sure there are some people who've listened to a couple of episodes and gone they sound like idiots and not and not listened again which is which is like kind of comes with the territory it's like don't care about those people you're you're putting out your authentic self your real true personality for the people who are like you and do want to be around that sort of sort of energy it's a lot like if you've got a product and you say that this product's for everyone like that isn't the case that product's not going to succeed like you're for a small amount of people you're you could be for a big amount of people but that's not what we're aiming for here. We're trying to find people who are like us, who we want to spend our time with, who we want to interact with. We want these people to be our clients. We want these people to be our audience because they could potentially be our friends in real life. And I think if you, yeah, just being that authentic self, putting yourself out there, it's going to be a lot harder at the start because the confidence issue there of like, you don't believe that you're an interesting person or like you're not as good as these people that you consume online. But yes, you're probably not at that level yet because these people have probably been doing it for years. So just putting yourself out there and being yourself, yes, it's going to be a a bit more of a slow burner, but in the long run, you're going to build up a much more loyal following based around you. And for a lot of people, they're going to need to work out who they are. Yeah. And that, that just takes time. And if you don't know how you want to show up yet, that's fine. It, it takes work. Just start showing up and see what feels right. Because if you listen to yourself, your internal gut feeling is is always right. If it, if something feels off or you or you, it, it's like a few episodes ago when I had said something and then I had to retract it the next week. It's like something just didn't sit right with me. And that like listen to yourself because those red flags will pop up when you know you're saying something that's that's not aligning with how you feel. And and just again, practice. It's just like everything. Just just keep showing up and going on that journey of discovery, of working out like what your beliefs, what your what you care about. 
It's like we were contacted this week by, I think, our youngest listener. It's definitely our youngest listener who's got in touch. Um, And they're 16. And, like, I did not know who the fuck I was when I was 16. Like, I had no clue. Yeah. And that's that's just a journey of time and showing up and, and trial and error and seeing... Uh, and consuming everything around you and and filtering out like yeah that's i strongly believe in that like that's that's a cause that i'm behind and all of those sorts of things and just like like grabbing that and putting it around yourself yeah and like being 16 as well and being ready to put yourself out there like that's so amazing like when i was 16 there would be no way that i would be putting myself out on the internet like talking making videos and doing those kind of things because i just wouldn't have had the confidence yeah, I've said on the show before, I did not know what the hell I was doing with my life until I was 27. And the, I I was going on a voyage of discovery, but I didn't know that I was on it. This is the thing. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of, it was very, very clouded and I couldn't see the wood for the trees. I look back at my my early sort of teenage to, 20, to 20s years of just being in this like cloudy forest and not really knowing which way to go. And like, if you're listening to this right now, you're already on the right path because I I wasn't surrounding myself with anything yeah. that was was in any way aspirational or or in any way gave me a clue that I could have my own career or I could do what I wanted or that I didn't have to just follow this nine to five path because that felt intrinsically wrong. It felt like in the core of my being, I felt like that's not me. And I think that's where the creative rebel name comes from is that we felt inside us that we had that there was something more that we had to be creative that it was in us but i didn't have a path and i think Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this you've already started to clear some of that smoke out of the way and you've started to see that there there is a path and as soon as you work that out things are so much easier because then everything becomes clearer and and you're not just kind of searching around in the dark fumbling and, and tripping into things by accident yeah, it's like when you start, you're just like you're in a bit of a maze and you have to find yourself out of that maze first. And then it's just like clear sailing from there. And it is going to take a lot of work and it is going to be like having hit lots of dead ends. But eventually you're going but to... But, but the only way you can get out from that maze is by actually working your way out, like walking your way out of it. If you just sit there, you're never going to get out. So it comes down to, well, who am I? Like you, Like you are a person, you have your own personality because you've spent your whole life growing it. So just start putting that out there exactly as it is. Don't think that you have to like pretend to be someone else, put on some huge personality because there's a lot of people I watch who are like super chilled when you listen to them talk. They're not this kind of huge American like, oh my God, guys, yeah, you can do it. It's like, they're just- We have a lot of American listeners and we always give them a bad rap. So uh, (laughs) we we don't mean all of you, but you you know the people, you know the guy. When when we say that, you've got a picture in your head of the sort of person we're talking about. (laughs) So it's, yeah, just, just put yourself out there as you are. And I think that's the best way to do it. That's what this week's guest, James Matthew has done. Yeah, it's really interesting to talk to James because um, in researching him, I remember watching some of his oldest videos. I think what's always a fun thing to do with the guests or anyone is just go on YouTube and then search in reverse time order so you can always watch what they were like back in the day. And also based on what we've been talking about this morning, it's like, go and go and do that anyway. Just you can see the creators that you absolutely love, what they were like in their first videos because you will see so much growth compared to where they are now. And you can get so much from that and be like, oh, actually, yeah, that's real. Like, There's a creator that I watch and 
I think he put up a 10 year video or a 20 year video or something. It's like he's been doing it for a long time. And the first videos were so hilariously bad, but it's just getting through that. And he's, he's always stayed true to exactly who he was. It's interesting watching some videos from James because his first videos, he wasn't this cheeky chappy fun guy that he is now. He was a bit more reserved, trying to be a bit more professional. He was trying to like put on a bit of like a, a posher voice, I suppose. Like, and it was just, it didn't feel like him. Whereas when we talk to him now, he's just himself and I feel like his success has come through him just being like yes I'm just gonna not care what other people think I'm just gonna put exactly who I am out there some people are gonna absolutely hate it but other people are gonna absolutely love it and I think that's what you want to aim for yep so let's get into this one James Matthews is a filmmaker and youtuber James makes videos for big brands and also collaborates with tech companies in an influencer capacity but shares his process through behind the scenes and tutorial videos James's honesty and authenticity has allowed him to grow a large following and build a career doing what he loves. In this episode, we talk about filmmaking, being creative, and being yourself. We can just we can just see through you. You're just a normal bloke that you don't need to put on this kind of facade that you're a you're a, uh, like an amazing business person and you can represent yourself well in front of brands. We can just see you. Hi James. Hey man, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, I, uh, I'm honoured. Oh thanks man. <laughs> so we're going to go quite deep with the first question. Um, would you call yourself an artist? Uh, bloody hell. I, to be honest with you, I probably would, but probably not from, hopefully not from an ego standpoint. I feel like I would be being a bit egotistical if I was to go around saying, like, oh I'm an artist. Especially if you say it like that, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially if you say uh, it like that. Yeah, if you if you get all uh, kind of animated about it. Um, I guess I would to myself, but I probably wouldn't to other people. Yeah. Does that sound stupid? Yeah, no, no, I think that makes sense. Because I think sometimes as creators, we do have a bit of a problem with like not wanting to sound over the top, like not wanting to big ourselves up too much yeah i feel like the phrase artist as well is so ambiguous in terms of what that actually means because i think a lot of people have slightly negative connotations with it as someone who's who is if they're an artist they're very like airy fairy and kind of free with their thoughts and emotions and expressions so i think that's is is interesting so the reason why i asked the question was because coming into this i wasn't familiar with your work so through doing research uh, like Adam's followed your stuff for a while but realizing that like when I look to your stuff filmmaker is definitely there but for me like the term that I would have most put on it was artist because what I was looking at looked like art to me because the first thing that I saw was your space exploration short film yeah so I think in terms of the question of do I think I'm an artist I would definitely for me I would think in my head yeah I feel like I'm an artist because I don't just make films like in my personal life I do loads of other different things and I re- I enjoy loads of different creative realms and I I purposely try not to recreate them like I'm really into music and I I purposely have now tried to not get into another creative realm because I know it, I'll lose the passion for it that I've got just being a a consumer of it and I've always been into graffiti like back in the day first thing I was doing before I was shooting content or photography or video was doing graffiti I used to be the local nutter who was going around with graffiti cans you know and just brain art all over the place so I guess I would consider myself an artist but if someone come up to me I wouldn't go hi I'm James I'm an artist 
personally. But if someone said that to me, like all, all the best to him, you know. So if someone did come up to you and said, "What are you? What would that be?" I don't really know what to tell people. To be honest, yeah, it's like I, I, I'd probably just say I'm a I'm a filmmaker or a creative creator. I'm not sure, man. There's so many different ways of uh, of kind of calling yourself nowadays. And probably now I would say I'm kind of a YouTuber because it, it is now, well, I'm doing it full time now because coronavirus has turned up and gone later on, mate. You, you, <laughs> your client works out the window, you know, so um, all of my commercial work's gone at the moment, um, but that'll come back. Um, but at the moment, I'm a full time YouTuber. So what do I call myself? A filmmaker, a YouTuber, you know, it's, um, yeah, man, I just say I'm a filmmaker, to be honest. So as a creative, would you say it's important to have kind of a broad range of skills? Because obviously we've gone into the current situation that we are in the world, but because you have multiple facets, you're still able to lean on those. I wouldn't necessarily say that you need lots of different creative areas. I'd just say when things like this happen, like when coronavirus happens, you need to have more of a business head than a a different creative head because I know my realm. My realm is filmmaking, essentially. And if something comes up, I could, I personally, because I've got I've got some kind of business skills, I will find a way to make my my skill set valuable to a different source. Does that make sense? So I'll kind yeah. of take what I've already got and I will allow it to work in a different environment. Say today's environment now with, with the whole coronavirus situation. So I feel like. I wouldn't necessarily say if you've got lots of different um, branches on your tr- your creative tree, for example, I wouldn't say that helps as such. But having a business head to say, right, this is what I've got. Now, where can I apply this and how can I apply it differently to now work in today's environment? So, yeah, I think that that's kind of what I'd say to that question. Yeah, I think a lot of people have just sort of been beaten by this where they've sort of thought, oh, well, I can't work for a couple of months. So that's just me until everything gets back to normal. But I know it's like, you've you've made a youtube video where like obviously you can't go out and meet or talk to anyone so you're just having a conversation with yourself and you've like changed your outfit and like you're filming you having a a conversation with yourself so it's like i almost think that by having those limitations put in place actually that can breed more creativity definitely i think there's like a fine line between bringing out loads of creativity and really kind of taking you down a a spiral of like oh I can't create and you kind of get stuck in your head because I've had mixed throughout this anyway I've had mixed kind of feelings about creating and actually getting creativity like one day I'll be super creative whereas other days I'll be like oh mate the world's the world's dying I'm buggered here this ain't going well so it's it, I don't know for me anyway it's it's an up and down situation whereas normally it's pretty linear I'm, I feel pretty pretty creative most most days I don't really have that many down days like in normal life but um as soon as covid hit it was kind of like one day oh i've got this amazing idea but i think that's just because i've got this amazing idea because it i've got an idea for this situation whereas i we don't usually have this situation so them ideas wouldn't even come into my head you know like like me talking to myself um in my covid19 youtube video i never would have thought of that idea if covid weren't around you know so that's why i think it's more up and down if you have an idea that because as well i like to be quite tongue-in-cheek with it so in that video i was uh, maybe being a little bit offensive to some some areas, but I guess that's what kind of makes it makes it fun. I want to be I want to be kind of on the line, you know, when I'm making my content. So, yeah, creativity for me is an up and down situation at the moment. It comes and it goes, whereas usually it's pretty linear. So I can't wait for it to get back to normal, mate. So I can just hopefully keep that linear creative creative going. I guess. How important do you think it's been for 
growing an audience in being that person who's not just in the middle you've always been a bit on the edge of kind of like people either like love you or hate you I always go back to the reason why I started doing YouTube in the first place because I'd done it because I wanted to have fun this is an opportunity to basically make a career out of doing something you absolutely love and it's so much fun why the hell would I limit myself on having that fun just to kind of fit because I'll be honest I know I know how I'd become a better YouTube ambassador an ambassador for YouTube like the people who are super PG and they do everything by the book it's not really what I want to do I wouldn't enjoy it I'd feel like I'm I feel like it's just like a labor job I'm just fitting this criteria that I know will do really well on YouTube where it's like no I'm just going to be myself and do what I want to do on YouTube because I'd rather go and shoot commercials than than kind of fit to a, a creative realm on YouTube. Be really nice. Like, so I, I try and like get my audience in a headspace where they're like just my mate. I know some of them are going to hate me. Some of them are going to love me. But when I'm hanging around with my mates, we throw banter back and forth. We kind of abuse each other a little yeah. bit. Friendly abuse, you know. So I try <laughs> and encourage my audience to like give me a bit of stick and that kind of stuff where I don't really want it to be all lovey-dovey and like all fairy tales. It's, I just want everyone to have a laugh and feel like the people that really do connect to me do connect to me. And the people that don't, fair dues, mate. You know, there's a million other channels you can go and watch, which is the, the great thing about YouTube. So, but I'm really lucky that I guess 80% of the audience that stumble across my channel are really nice people and they do like my content. So yeah, I'd, I'd really just try not to do things by the book. That's really important because I think a lot of people when they decide to start their own business or go freelance or do something on their own, go into it with the idea of like, well, I'm not going to work for anyone anymore. I'm going to have this freedom, but then soon start to replicate other areas and end up like you might as well be working for someone else with none of the stress of running your own business and all of those other things if you're not doing it for yourself if you're kind of putting on a facade or if yeah you're just not doing it for the reason why you started doing it i couldn't agree more mate 100 percent. it's you take away the creative like your own ideas so like for example the covid19 video i just done where we done the stuck the camera on the ceiling and i was shooting down i'd kind of manipulated myself so i was chatting to myself essentially in my own head going crazy I had so, there there was a few areas on that where I was like you know what I probably shouldn't say that but that part was like the most creative part of the whole video so I said I had to kind of draw the line like right what can I say here what I basically have to pull back my creativity to make it fit the YouTube kind of guide like typical guidelines does that make sense which is such a shame but at the same time nine times out of ten I'll go you know what mate this is I'll be I'll kick myself if I'm conforming to what works and what doesn't work on YouTube so I've just got to do it and do what I like and then maybe it's adapting that area to make it a little bit more PG or make it work a bit better but um yeah I try my best to make sure that I just stick with what my kind of creative mind is telling me and that's just when the idea comes in roll with it ASAP because as soon as it comes in that's when it for me that's when it's the most powerful and creative as soon as I try to like manipulate that idea it's like oh, I've lost the magic of it does that make sense? <laughs> Which bit were you unsure about? Because watching the video back, like there was nothing in there that... What, what, like, which bit was it? What can I say? So the whole Corona, you know, like the whole Corona. I, I was drinking a Corona in the thing. And Corona are an incredible company. I'm yeah. quite close to them. I chat to the guys at Corona, the creative side of things. And I made a joke about like me giving myself a beer, saying like, oh, do you want a Corona? And I wanted to be like... I wanted to make some really serious jokes about that. And I said, no, I'm not into that beer. It's <laughs> obviously it says Corona and coronavirus is out killing people. And I, you know, so there's like these, these jokes that are a little bit PG, but not so, uh, well, they're not PG, but I need to kind of make them a bit more PG. So, 
yeah, there's a load of bits of banter in there. But yeah, that that's that was probably one of the main ones. So it's it's also like brand stuff. So I don't want to like piss off any brands or anything like that because it kind of limits your limits your reach with them brands and how personal you can get with them brands. You know, because that brands are huge, as you guys probably know, they're a huge part of being able to create content and create meaningful content. Like I can create content for myself, great. But if a brand comes along and they've got an idea, it's like right, how can I take the take the the spotlight off of me and find a creative way to do it to a brand that's kind of my route so i I create commercials for for random brands different clients that kind of stuff and i love doing that the whole creative realm just goes in on that and not so much about you and your whole personal ideas on things you've got to think about it on the broader spectrum of how we've got a product here how can we sell it how can we put it in a situation that's going to build community that kind of stuff and yeah i really just want to keep things sweet with with brands as well so a lot of the times i want to like piss on a brand and like give them a little dig you know like <laughs> sony for example they keep holding holding adam will probably know they keep holding back this elusive sony a7s and i would just want to like give them a give them a little dig you know for not bringing it out but i need to kind of keep sweet with some of the brands you know <laughs> i think when a lot of people start their career they the, the kind of the brand thing seems like a, a real goal that they want to get to um for you when you started did you actively go out there and try and get those brands or were brands coming to you because you were already making kind of meaningful content you're talking about like influencer style stuff right like youtube kind yeah. of brand stuff yeah yeah so like it's pretty, it probably it's quite probably quite unbelievable but i don't i never have actually reached out to a brand i'm super lucky that the brands have just come to me and it's been the ones that I actually want to work with. It's, it's so interesting. So the very first one that I had done was for a gimbal company. So I bought a gimbal, loved it. And I was like, mate, I'm going to make a review about this. Sick. It was the worst review video you've ever seen. I really do not recommend going and watching it. It's on my channel. It's got about, it got about 300,000 views. So it got quite a lot of views. It's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And they reached out to me and just said, look, we've got another one. Can we send it to you? I was like, absolutely. So I think it's it's basically, if you can create content on YouTube that shows that you've got a community there, you've you've got a group of people that like being in your space, enjoy your content, brands are going to inevitably reach out to you because it makes more sense than throwing a bloody t- and a, an ad on TV, you know? Yeah. So when it comes to actually the brands reaching out to you, I think as long as you make good content and obviously keep it relatively like pg for example that's where i kind of that's where i get a bit worried because I, I try and make my content as fun as i possibly can if you're making good content there's no reason why brands aren't going to reach out to you and obviously in the tech space that's it's ideal really and for me filmmaking there's tons of camera companies lighting companies gimbal companies microphone companies so many different companies man in terms of kind of keeping the videos fun it's funny like looking back to your really early videos and you talking on camera is a very different person to the person we see now. At what yeah. point did you decide to kind of like evolve the character that is James Matthews, the YouTuber? Okay, so this is quite a funny one because if you look at my first ever vlog, I'm a completely different bloke. And the the whole reason for that is when I started my first ever vlog, I was still a full-time commercial filmmaker. That's what I'd done. I shot commercials for different brands. And in my head... I was so worried about my clients, other brands watching this and going like, I'm not hiring this geezer. Like, so I, <laughs> I kind of put on, I put on my business kind of suit on YouTube and thought, right, let me try and articulate myself quite well. Let me try and 
dull myself down and make myself like more of a more of the kind of bloke that you'd look at and go, I want to hire that bloke because he looks like he's got his head screwed on. Whereas if you looked at one of my videos now, you'd be like, oh, there's no chance I'm hiring this bloke. You know? <laughs> um, so that's why when I first started out, I had in the back of my head, right, if any of my clients end up seeing this, they probably won't. But if they do, I want them to look at that video and be like, yeah, man, that guy's great. I can definitely hire him. I can put him in front of my clients and expect him to articulate himself well and represent my company well, because that's what I'm doing a lot of the times. If I'm going out shooting a video for a client, I'm a lot of the times representing their company to their clients, right? So that was my big issue when I first started out. And I I had to try and pull rein myself in and be like, right, let's just... Because a lot of the time, it's fake it before you make it. And back in the day, I was just this kind of this bloke who was doing what he could with the gear he could and I would always try and put more, more of a business suit on and pretend that I was a really kind of intelligent bloke when you know not not so much the case <laughs> and I actually went out and I shot and I shoot some really big big stuff for big clients but then I soon realized uh, other brands are watching my videos and I was getting more work the more I kind of relaxed and opened myself up and I don't know why that is but and I actually asked one of the clients eventually and they just said it's because um we can just we can just see through you. You're just a normal bloke that you don't need to put on this kind of facade that you're a you're a uh, like an amazing business person and you can represent yourself well in front of brands. We can just see you and we can see that you you care about what you do because that that's all that you really talk about and that's what comes through. So thank God that was the case because I would be buggered if it weren't. So yeah, a lot of the brands and lots of clients that I work with they kind of enjoy the fact that I'm an open person because I guess in in business a lot of people are just too firm and they don't won't show different sides of them and their business. But I try and just show everything. And this is me. This is what I do. I love what I do. I hope I'm pretty good at it. But yeah, a lot of brands seem to actually like it. So what I thought got flipped on its head. So I was like, I'm just going to be myself. This is why I started. Let's have a bit of fun. So would that be your advice to anyone who wanted to get started now to just be authentic? Absolutely. Like, don't bother trying to, like, paint yourself as someone else that might be a better fit for working for different clients. Be yourself because, like, brands enjoy working with people that are real. They don't enjoy working with fake people. That's what I've realised anyway. So as much as you want to work with what you know fits certain guidelines – be yourself and make your own stamp on the space because that is going to stand out from the rest of the rest of the crowd that are kind of just following following the crowd I guess I mean I, ha- I haven't I haven't massively dominated any space but for me you've got to enjoy what you're doing because before you know it you're going to be 50 years old and it's all going to be said and done mate you've got to do what you enjoy doing you can't I can imagine when I'm 50, if I look back and go, oh, mate, I didn't even actually create anything I wanted to create. I was just trying to do stuff to fit the algorithm and make money. Like, that's a dead life in my opinion. Yeah. And in terms of that making money side of things, how do you balance that in terms of, well, you need the money to come in, but then how much of your creativity and your freedom do you give up in exchange for that? I feel like if you, as long as you don't have some serious money, for me anyway, this is a bit, this is my personal thought on it. As long as you don't have any real issues in your personal life, e.g. finance, um, like relationship issues, that kind of stuff, that's when I am most creative and I don't, I come into work and I'm in, I'm in the studio. I'm not, my headspace isn't outside of the studio worrying about things that are going on um, in my personal life. So I try and keep like my personal life pretty light pretty chill because when I come in here I can just focus on this but in terms of the financial side of it like pushing creativity 
a lot of the times, if, if you're working with a brand, for example, and they're going to finance the video, it allows you to be a bit more creative, even though they might kind of try and pull you in a certain brief direction. You can be more creative because you've got extra budget. You can get different things going on with that budget. You can get locations, you can get actors, you can get different crew. You can hire out some decent equipment. And yeah, working with brands is great. That helps for me. It helps creativity. But if you're like a struggling creator on YouTube who's trying to earn money through AdSense, for affiliate links, that kind of stuff, then I can imagine it is really, really hard, man, because you're constantly just trying to do what is earning you the money because you've got to earn money. It's, it's, it's the, the way it is, mate. You've got to eat, you know? So I can imagine for them kind of creators, it is very, very hard because I was quite lucky in the fact that I was doing commercial work and I slowly transitioned over to doing YouTube videos. But I don't think I'll do YouTube videos full-time forever, like... I'd rather not. I'd rather keep doing commercial work because it, it really like lights a fire in me, you know? Don't get it wrong. Love doing YouTube videos. It's, starting YouTube is the best thing I've ever done in my life. But um, I need to keep the, the commercial side going. I love working for different people. I love having a brief. I love actually making clients super happy and give it, getting their feedback. And yeah, I, I still love doing uh, commercial work. It's a weird kind of paradox because it's like if like with the podcast for example if we'd made the podcast in order to make money then we would have designed it and it would have like very specifically and it would have looked different to what it actually is and the crazy thing is that it turns out if you actually make work that is really delivering value that is actually helping people then you have much more of a chance to make money from that than if you design something with just the goal of making money absolutely and i think the create like the creative industry social media industry has kind of realized that of recent like it's not the 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 people that kind of try and build a business out of their creativity and their online presence so, sometimes it does work but a lot of the times it's the people that just started and they because they started because they wanted to bloody do it like PewDiePie, Logan Paul, all of them kind of people. I'm pretty sure when they've done their first video, oh, we're going to make millions out of this, you know, like, that's not the way they thought. They're like, I want to make a video. Let's do it. And that has now made them the most financially rich people yeah. going from like the whole social media side of things. So I think as long as you go in there and you try and be as authentic as possible, if you turn out to have really great ideas and it all works out, then there's no chance that you aren't going to do well financially because like, I don't see why I don't see why schools aren't teaching kids like social media is such a it like I I think you've got more chance of doing well in social media now than going and getting a normal bloody job you know like just I don't see why there shouldn't be a, well I'm sure there will be but there should be a whole media side of school that I, the thing the only issue is every kid would go into it you know <laughs> yeah so like there's no chance I'd be going to science if I've got YouTube class on at four o'clock you know I'll be waiting outside. But then again, I think it. I think if you taught YouTube class and they realised how much fucking hard work it is, yeah, it's true. Mate. A lot of people wouldn't do it because a lot of people. I think that would make the world a bit more kind of clear in terms of what influencers are doing, what people are doing who are producing online content, because they'll sit and watch ten minutes a week of one of your videos, being like, yeah. "Oh, it only works ten minutes a week," yeah, because that's all that they see. Whereas they don't see the hours of the planning that goes into it, the filming, the editing. And to sit down and edit a video for, say, eight hours or however long one might take, that's a lot of effort that a lot of people wouldn't want to put into something. Yeah. And it's also like mental, like the self-doubt of... Because I've only just recently unsubscribed to loads of amazing channels simply because I watch them and I'm like, holy crap, that was good. And it kind of makes me then go back to my work 
to be like, right, I need to change this because I need to make it better and all of this kind of stuff. And then it changes the whole like creative aspect of that original video. And yeah. uh, you're constantly comparing, like it's such a bloody cliche thing to, to say and it does one nothing, but you're constantly comparing yourself to these other creators. So I've now stopped looking at them because they're, as ironic as it is, they're influencing my work. And I don't want that to happen. I want it to be my work, you know? And even if my work doesn't appeal to that many people i'd rather it appeal to them people than all of these people if it's my work instead of other people's work that's influenced me to make mine like their work you know so have you found that that's ever stopped you making a video because you've been watching other people's and you thought well i can't make one that good it hasn't stopped me from making one but it's definitely put the doubts in my head of should i release this video you know yeah so how do you overcome that i just go back to the just try and go back to the reason that why I started it is because I want to make content for me. Yeah, that's it really. I think when you make your first videos, like that's obviously the hardest time because most people quit, but they most people don't carry on going after they've done their first few. And I think where we were talking about like being your authentic self, I think your your first videos, it's almost impossible for you to be your authentic self the first time that you press record on a video no matter who you are because it, it that authenticity is only built up through time and familiarity and and just learning how to express yourself in a way that gets across your mission and and who you are and what you're trying to achieve for people to then come on board absolutely 100 percent. when you first like for example with youtube whatever realm it is whatever media outlet it is for example youtube the first time you pick up a camera and you go to talk on camera if you're going to put yourself in that situation <laughs> It's, com- it's a completely unnative situation to be in. So you you haven't got a clue what you're doing. You don't know what you're going to say. You can do as much planning as you want, but you ain't going to be yourself and you're not going to portray yourself the way you want to, you know? So, yeah, you've just got to... Re- well, if you're going to get into this game, you've got to realise, man, it's a lot. It's a marathon, man. It's, a, it's such a marathon. Yeah, I think as well, when you do first get started with anything, it's like you're only experiences through watching everyone else you've ever seen in your life so you think this is how I'm supposed to do it because you've made an aggregate of every single person you've watched and liked and you think well that's how I should be but it's not until like as you found out definitely like it's not until you start doing that for a bit that you realize who you actually are big time 100% was there ever a point in the beginning where you were getting like no views no interaction and you just thought oh maybe I should give this up and go back to just working normally not particularly. I mean, there's been plenty of times where I'm not getting any views and it's quite frustrating. Like, it, genuine, it is quite frustrating. There's no point going, oh, I don't care about the views. But, but at the start, I knew that this was the way it was and I wasn't, I wasn't doing it because I eventually wanted to get all the views. But I knew if I, was gonna, if I keep doing this, it's going to come. It's, it's inevitable. If you've got a thousand videos on YouTube, you are going to get found a thousand times more than if you've got one video on YouTube. It is just the way it is that... If you've got all them videos on there, they, you're going to be found that many times. But um, it definitely, I remember a time when I was in the, I don't know why I remember it so much, but I put up a video that I was so, like, took me so much work. I was so passionate about, and I just wanted people to watch it and be like, that was good, or I liked it. I didn't want people to not like it. And I remember being in the gym. I know, I remember exactly where I was. It was about four years ago, and I uploaded it. And I would like constantly refresh, refresh, refresh. Let's see how many views it's going to get. Come on, come on, come on. And after an hour, I wanted to hit 100 views in an hour. And I remember I got 78 views and I was so like gutted and disappointed because I put so much time and effort into this video. And 
I remember after that day, I was like, right, I'm never, ever doing this again. Like, I'm never looking at the views. Like, I'm never trying to do this kind of stuff. So now I just realised that you just got to make the content for you. Don't worry about what other people think. It's all about... we. I, I do this because I want to make myself proud. I want to make my own content for me. It's a creative outlet. I'm lucky enough that there's a creative outlet there. There's, a, there's an environment that I can get my ideas and pour them all in there and other people can watch it, you know? So... There's no point taking these ideas and manipulating them and putting them out there for people to see because you're just watching someone else's content, you know? On that note, how important is it to have a creative outlet? I guess it's just an expression, really, isn't it? It's just an expression of ideas, thoughts that are going on in your head, passions that you've got, places you've been, people you've met, that kind of stuff. So for me, it's just a it, it's a feeling. I'm just trying to take a feeling that I've got in my head and put it into a video perspective with sound and lighting and people a lot of other people take that idea and put it into art put it into a painting put it into music they just try i feel like people are just trying to emit a feeling and that's kind of what i'm trying to do in my videos to be honest yeah researching you really made me think about storytelling so if we look at your short film space travel like in that opening shot you, like all of the visual clues that you use in that tell tell the story so I know what I'm looking at straight away so if that was a still photo I still know what it was about because of like all of the clues that you've you paste in there and so for you when it comes to your like creative process you you write everything down you you storyboard it first before you before you make it right yeah so most most of my videos any of like the intense narrative driven uh, content I have to do a storyboard, otherwise my it's going to fall apart. So the way that it works for me is an idea comes up in my head and I'll have to write all of the elements down. Otherwise, when I come to filming it, I'm going to focus so much on the first shot that all of them other shots and the way that it all ties together is just going to fall apart and I'm going to forget what makes the next section work. So when it comes to storyboarding... I don't know why I have to like lock myself in a dark room or in my bedroom and I the ideas come in, I write them down. That's the creative process done. The whole filming part is just like you're just getting your tools out and you're just you're making it. So the creative part for me is, is all in the head and you draw it down, write it down. I'm now making the film on a piece of paper. Now, once that bit's said and done, it doesn't matter how uncreative I'm feeling the next day. Oh, here's the piece of paper. Here's, here's the idea. Here's the creative, you know. So all I've got to do is recreate that shot with a camera, with a location, with people, with light and with sound. And that's it. So for me, that creative process is absolutely imperative. Like, it, you need it. Whereas other people might work slightly differently. And that's the amazing thing about creativity. Like, people do it in different ways. They've got different ways of doing it. Some people, like, I was speaking to one of my mates the other day. He literally just turns up on set and that is when he's most creative. But for me, I can't do that. I have to have my idea set out and ready to rock and roll. Don't get me wrong. I'm not rigid on set. I will adapt to lots of different situations. If I see something, oh, that looks sick. This would work amazing for the story. I'll go and do that. But when it comes to my really narrative-driven stuff, the most creative part of that is when I'm sitting at home or I'm in the studio just pouring my ideas onto a piece of paper. That's it. The camera doesn't really mean mean much, you know. It's just a it's just a tool to actually create it. That really reminds me of um, we had a conversation with a photographer called Harris Newcomb, and he explained his whole his process of taking photos. And instead of just going to create something on a set, he would fully sketch everything out before because then by doing that, you can look at it 
and visualize it before it's even happened and then you've you can improve on it before you've even started whereas if you start with no plan after you finish you'll be like oh i wish i did that but by planning it in advance then you can already visualize what it's going to look like and then improve it before you've even started absolutely i feel like you've got less limitations in your head and in your imagination than than you have when you're on set so yeah obviously socially we've all been conformed and obviously um like physiologically and physically there you've got already got limitations in your head of what the world can do and uh, locations and light and how and that kind of stuff but if you turn up on set you're limited with what you've got however if you make the idea in your head first then it's like right this is what my location looks like in my head let me find that location now so now you've got the perfect location that is already in your head if that if that if that location exists you've got the the subject in your head now go and find someone who looks like that subject who is in your head instead of turning up on set these are your actors these are who you got you're limited with the people you've got i don't it's so hard to for me anyway to try and portray how i work with ideas in my head i don't really know how to actually like tell you about it does that make sense yeah yeah no it does and and i think when you're, you're behind the scenes for um space travel if people really want to like kind of dive into your process you you really lay everything out quite clearly there so um, i'd recommend anyone go and check that out if they're interested in that side of things it's interesting because i think like looking at your channel so little of it is here's a finished piece of work more of it is this is how I got to the finished piece of work or this is how you can get to the finished piece of work. How conscious were you to not show just here's a product that I've created, here's an advert that I've created rather than here's the way to get there? I think um, another really big part of being on social media and YouTube in my kind of filmmaking space is the fact that you can give people value. I mean, don't get me wrong, if you give someone an amazing piece of work, that is valuable. It's entertainment, it's inspiration, it gives them a feeling, that kind of stuff. But I feel if you're going to give back to the people that support you and your channel, you've got to try and give them a li- at least a little bit of value. And I, that's what I try to do when I do like behind the scenes stuff, when I'm doing a tutorial. This is what this is what I've made. Now this is how I've made it. So you can go out and do the same thing. So I think it's super important, it, super, super important to just give value to your audience. And I find that like, that is going to, that is going to give the audience tons of value. Open up their minds to different ways of shooting, different ways of other people shooting. You don't need to shoot like me, but this is how I shoot. And if if this helps you, great. Take it, run with it, you know. So that's what I try to do on YouTube. And it just so turns out that the algorithm loves that kind of stuff as well. So it's like a win-win, really. Um, so more people get to see it. It does my channel quite well. And then lots of people learn from it, fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting to see how much of an impact on youtube you've had just with the word b-roll yeah yeah b-roll has been a thing on youtube for a long time but um i feel yeah i've done like a i've done an, an like an epic b-roll style uh handheld shoot with my one of my friends in san francisco two years ago like back in 2018 i went out there for a few weeks stayed with them and i was shooting like a, a little tour of my friend's home studio her name's kitty a total of visuals on youtube and uh, her boyfriend, Brian, is an amazing cook and he was just cooking. And I just thought, oh, sod it. You know what? Let's just do like a cool little B-roll sequence. And I've always been a massive advocate for handheld stuff, but I've never really shown people how I do it. So I was like, oh, let's just do this. And then Kitty just so happened to record the behind the scenes of it. Like it wasn't planned. I was like, right, I'm going to shoot this. And she was just filming it. And then I made the video. People loved the video. They're like, oh, this looks so cool. How did you shoot it? 
And then I called up Kitty, and this was like about six months after we even shot it. I just said, oh, have you got the behind the scenes of that? I'm thinking about just making a video of it. I didn't think anything of it. And then um, put that up. It got the most views my channel's ever got, that that video. It was great. It didn't really take off like that. That The video took off, but the, the concept didn't take off so much. Then we went back another year and decided to do the same things. It was so much fun. It gave people so much value. Let's do it again. Done it again in 2019 last year. And then all of a sudden from that video, fucking it's just gone mad. And everyone's doing this this kind of epic B-roll style stuff. And it's amazing, mate. It's so cool to see everyone's little interpretations on it, you know? It's funny because I feel like not everyone realises that it was you who kind of kicked that off because obviously Daniel Schiffer saw one of your videos, made his one, and then now his channel's exploded with just constant B-roll stuff. It's interesting that you haven't continued to just do epic B-roll after epic B-roll after epic B-roll videos. Why haven't you done that? Is it because you've wanted to just do the things that you've wanted to create rather than playing to the algorithm? Uh, well, I'm pre- I know for a fact if I if I had kept on doing B-roll videos, obviously my channel would have done pretty well. Like, There's no doubt about that. I don't know. I, there, there was no real reason why I didn't keep doing it other than the fact that I've done it. That was great fun. I don't really want to do it again. Does that make sense? So yeah. but other, other people have done amazing things with it. I think that's great. And if you've got that idea in your head, because oh, I'm sure a lot of people that saw that for the first time, it sparked, probably sparked so many different ideas in their head with their environment, what things they've got, people that they know with amazing crafts that you can do cool B-roll stuff with. So therefore, it would have kicked them on to do it. But for me, it was like a spontaneous idea. I rolled with it, done it. It was good fun. And thank God it just taught a load of people like a new tool, basically. So if someone wants to be really successful on YouTube, they would definitely need to go out and spend thousands and thousands of pounds on gear, right? Yeah, yeah. You need a, you need like 500 million pound <laughs> to actually make that work um no not at all mate i the first youtube video i shot i shot on my canon 550d which i actually bought the knockoff version in, well it ain't even knockoff it's just the chinese version so it's called the canon kiss x4 i think it's some stupid name like that i bought it so basically i used to i used to sell sweets it's got this is going to be some like this is going to sound like some st- stupid entrepreneurial story but it's the truth i used to sell sweets at school like lots of kids used to do it so it, like the teachers would do their nutting and like they'd be so fuming that you're selling sweets it's against like school rules and whatever but look we're trying to make some money we're doing a good job whatever so used to sell sweets at school saved up bought myself this kiss x4 it's cheaper to get it from china than it was to buy it in the uk in the uk it was like an extra 100 pound so i think i paid 450 pound for that camera and it came with a kit lens and that was the first camera i ever ended up vlogging on i, I obviously bought other cameras to do my commercial work but for some reason as soon as i started youtube i went back to the first ever like actual dslr camera i ever bought so to start youtube you do not need decent gear the content is so much so much more important than than the gear i'm telling you if you if you've got great equipment but you're content is crap there's no chance it's going to take off mate um yeah it it's it it actually annoys me because it people feel limited by the gear that they've got like imagine if if equipment wasn't isn't it wasn't even in the equation how many amazing creators would be exposed and everyone would see their amazing work but because they're like oh i haven't got this i haven't got that then they don't even bother bloody making a video because they want to compare themselves to like peter mckinnon and all that you know such a shame 
Yeah, I remember when I used to tattoo and I always used to see on other tattoo artist pages, like big like big artists, people writing in the comments, what machine did you use? As if by them buying that machine is magically going to transform their work into like the same stuff mm-hmm. as these guys. It just doesn't work like that. No, it's the, it's the exact same situation in the camera world, mate. So people see an amazing video. Oh, what did you shoot that on? What LUTs are you using? LUTs do my skull in, mate. Like people trying to sell people LUTs all the time and because they think if they just slap on this LUT over their footage, a LUT's basically a filter, if you didn't know. So, yeah, they chuck on a LUT and they think, oh, yeah, my footage is going to look as good as this. It's it's not the case, mate. It's just not the case. They've done an amazing job on telling their story. The video has gripped you. It's made you feel, it fills you up with serotonin. It's like giving you a great feeling. And now all of a sudden you think it's because this is the camera they're using? Yeah. Do one, mate. No chance. Yeah, I feel like someone like Casey Neistat's a perfect example of yeah. that. Like he was using like a 70 or 80D, which like aren't that expensive for a really long time. And even in the latest video he put up the other day, like I think say 30 seconds of it was shot, shot on a Super 8, which is obviously like made 50 years ago or something. Yeah. That's a really old camera, yet it's the content that he's making with it, which is the important thing. Casey Neistat gets tons of credit, but I still don't think he gets enough. For if you look at what he done on YouTube, it was absolutely, it must have been torture for him to work as hard as he did all day, every day. And he lifted the bar for everyone on YouTube. And he just proved that it's not about what gear you're using, it's about your ideas and hustling and using what you've got, man. Because that's all, like at the end of the day, you can sit about for 10 years, wait until you've got 50 grand to buy a red, or you can shoot something right now on your phone. Yeah. Like, what path do you want to take, mate? And the thing is, unless you start now, you're never going to be able to afford that red. No, exactly, mate. You can. It's like it's better to grow as you go along rather than think, oh, well, I won't start because I haven't got that yet. Absolutely. Use what you've got. Like, flex your ideas. Don't flex your equipment. Like, that's what I think people should do more of. So, and that's what I'm trying to do myself. I'm trying to, well, I, that's all I really try and do. But um, I'm really trying to not be limited by the equipment. That's why I try and shoot my stuff on really cheap gear. Because I also think you've got to be a good advocate for the people. If I've got an audience on YouTube, I don't want to be shooting on all the biggest gear because it's going to make people feel like that. If I can show that you can create a great film, like, for example, Space Travel that I shot, I shot all that on a Sony A7S Mark II. It's, it's really not a super expensive camera. It's not even a video camera. It's a it's a mirrorless stills camera at the end of the day that shoots pretty good video. So, yeah, man, I just want to show people that you really don't need all of this great stuff. And at the end of the day, I don't want to be spending loads of dough on equipment anyway. I'd rather keep my, yeah. keep my prices down and spend my money on Ibiza. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're a really good advocate for that because what, I feel like... <laughs> yeah, definitely that too. But in terms of like, everyone else in your space would be talking about this is the latest aperture 120d a really expensive light whereas you put up a video of here's a little kind of thing to soften it in front of basically like a really cheap light well i won't take on a brand deal personally if i know that it's just too expensive it doesn't matter how good it is how good the product is if it's too expensive i don't want to be pushing it to my audience because it's not valuable to them. And I know that they like, there's been, there's been so many companies that want to do stuff with me and they want to pay pretty good damn money as well for it. But it's like, your product's so bloody expensive, mate. I don't want people to think that I've got to go out and buy this now. Cause it's going to cost me like, like three grand, you know, when you can get, yeah, when you yeah. can get something that is just a little bit that produces a slightly less better quality image, 
get it for like 500 quid, you know? I'd rather push the 500 quid thing, not earn as much money out of it, keep my integrity on YouTube with my audience, and I might even sell sell a few of them through my affiliate links. I might earn like a little bit of money out of it, but um, I'd rather keep my integrity because I know this is a marathon, man. It certainly ain't a sprint. You're not going to be a... If, you're, if YouTube only lasted for one year, if YouTube went, right, we're going to terminate YouTube in one year from now... Maybe I would go, yeah, I'll take that brand deal, that brand deal, that one, that one, that one. <laughs> Try and make all the money and then pop, the bubble's gone. But it's not. Hope, fingers crossed, YouTube will be staying online f- for as long as I'm about and you lot. Yeah, so it's a marathon, man. Just keep like, do what feels right to you. And for me, the right thing feels like showing people what you can do with less amount of money than what you can do with the best stuff in the world. So, You mentioned all of the things that, Casey Neistat um, has brought to the YouTube space. And one of the things that you mentioned was hustle. Um, How does that manifest for you? So Casey Neistat was doing daily vlogging. And the fact that he'd done that was really good for me because it realized, it made me realize that daily vlogging is something I definitely don't want to do. So um, I, I really enjoy consuming some people's daily, daily vlog content I enjoy consuming it. I enjoy looking into people's lives, and it's it's just relaxing. You watch a vlog, and you don't you don't think about what you're watching. You just watch it, you know. So there's some amazing people that do that. Obviously, David Dobrik's pretty good, but for me personally, I couldn't do it. It wouldn't feel creative to me. It just feel like labour. Like you've got to produce a video in a day. Like, don't get it wrong. If someone one off, someone went to me, oh yeah, we've got an idea. We want you to produce one video in a day great I'd then go and do it but every single bloody day like I'd get up in the morning and feel like I've, got, like I've got to go to work not got to wake up in the morning what what can I what ideas can I manifest what can I make because uh, I enjoy spending a long time on a project I love it it's just harder to make um, it's basically harder to make more money on them kind of videos because we all know the more you post on YouTube the more revenue you're going to get so I have to limit them but I love spending months on on a project like just getting it perfect and more spending that time on pre-production i I enjoy spending more of the time on pre-production than actually shooting it yeah it's for me i enjoy just doing the longer form content instead of like the daily stuff i couldn't do it but hand hats off to the people that do do it you know at any point has anyone ever said that you're nuts for being a youtuber and kind of encouraged you to go and get a proper job uh, yeah, it has happened before, but I'm I'm quite lucky that I've got a pretty good support system around me. My family are really supportive of everything I do. Anything anything that I any ideas that I come up with, they they've been happy. They've just gone, yep, you do what you want to do. Like great. They've never really tried to like mould me into some certain way. Whereas I know other people that has happened. Like they've kind of been told certain things and they've gone and done it. When I know they've got so much potential to do something they love doing, but they're just doing some dead end number. Yeah, people have done that, but at the end of the day. <laughs> especially if you're creative you can't help but make something even if I worked a job that I hated that meant that I had to go into London be in London for eight o'clock in the morning get home at eight o'clock at night and I've got to go to bed have me dinner and actually do some kind of admin in my life I would still find a way to make something because I couldn't bloody help it I could be in a prison cell I'd have to do something you know so I don't feel like it's a choice so for me, it doesn't matter what people would have told me. I would have just done it anyway because it's so much bloody fun. I love doing it, you know? Yeah, I suppose it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with like teaching social media classes at school. And I think currently everyone thinks that 
that maybe YouTuber is not a safe kind of career option. But when you map it out over a 10-year, 20-year period, it's actually probably safer than a lot of the so-called safe jobs right now. Absolutely. And I do think that the school system is failing a little bit, not giving people, like not pushing kids that much because it's such more of a viable option. Like, look at the situation we're in now, yeah? COVID-19, everyone who said, oh, I'd rather have a safe job, a safe job, a safe job. So many people have been laid off. They're now getting only getting paid 80% of their income. I feel like if you're self-employed, you might even be, if you're self-employed online, you're in a better, I've basically got a bloody recession-proof business. Yeah. Can you believe yeah. it, you know? And I'm this person who everyone's saying, oh, don't do that. Go and get a safe job. Mate, my job's bloody safer than yours. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, like my people always talk about how they would love to kind of go and live in Bali and design and do whatever. Like literally one of my friends quit his job, became a designer, and he's spent the last since COVID happened in Bali. And he says he's the biggest, busiest he's ever been. So it's like what someone might say, that's a stupid career choice. It, it's working. Absolutely. As well, I know like so many people would have benefited off of the back of COVID and I don't I don't want to say that in a in a negative way like people are benefiting off of COVID. Yeah, yeah. It's more like this is my business. I now have to adapt it to give people value. People don't buy things to make their life more negative. They buy things to make them positive, to actually get value. So if you're creating a product especially during COVID now, you're going to adapt your product to give people benefit. So it's not a bad thing that people are benefiting from COVID. It's actually benefiting bloody everyone. So people that have adapted their business and made work during COVID, I think their businesses are going to be the ones that go right to the top. There's no doubt about it, you know, because they're, they're agile, they're flexible. Whereas a lot of businesses, the safe, the kind of safe businesses, I don't really see, I might be wrong. I don't really see them being flexible and agile because they're so like stuck to their usual old school ways, you know? So if you could give one piece of advice to a creative person that is thinking of taking that dive, what would that advice be? My advice would be create whatever you want to create when you feel most passionate about that idea because one day you are going to die, just like, and I hate saying this, but one day you are all going to die and you can either look back and go, oh, I made... I made content because I knew it would work well for the algorithm. I knew I'd make a little bit more money. Or you can look back and go, I made everything I wanted to make. And for me, that's the one thing that scares me. If I ever get super old, obviously I will get bloody super old. It's inevitable. <laughs> um, I want to look back and go, I done, I done everything I wanted to do. I didn't do anything because someone else wanted me to do it or the algorithm told me this would work. I done it because I had this idea, I had this passion in me that wanted to make this, so I went and made it. And I can look back at that, and most of the time it can be like, that was sick, I'm so happy I've done it, you know? Boom. Uh, where can people find your work online? Type in James Matthews on YouTube, James Matthews Media on Instagram. If you just go to jamesmatthewsmedia.com, all of my links are there. So um, I'm also a, an avid techno and house consumer so i've got a, a few uh spotify links on there i've got an anti-covid rb for playlist if anyone wants some good vibes so um fingers crossed we'll be back in our beef up having a little dance about at some point but yeah all my links are on jamesmatthewsmedia.com lovely job thanks mate thanks so much dude thanks so much for having me guys i really had a good laugh there that's good fun thanks so much for listening what an incredible episode there with james matthews 
Every week, as part of this Adobe partnership, we're giving away a free mentoring session with us, the Creative Rebels, and a year's free of Adobe Creative Cloud. The full runners up to each weekly competition will also get the chance to win another year's worth of Adobe Creative Cloud. If you want to take part in this competition and you don't yet have the Creative Cloud, you can go to creativerebels.co forward slash Adobe for a free trial. Taking inspiration from James Matthews, this week's challenge is going to involve creating a video using Premiere Pro. We want you to make a one minute short video about what creativity means to you. You can enter using the hashtag AdobeXCreativeRebels. You've got two weeks from the time this drops, so let's get going. And remember, always be creating.